Welcome to another episode of The Duck Stops Here, a podcast featuring alumni from the University of Oregon. The winner of the decathlon is often called the world's greatest athlete. Today's guest is a two-time Olympic decathlon gold medalist. They said, Ashton, we think that you could actually get a scholarship to go to college if you do this thing called the decathlon, a division one college at that. And I was like, really? And uh, I was like, okay, I like the sound of division one college. I like the sound of scholarship. I, I have no clue what you just said. What's the decathlon thing? <laughs> that was Ashton Eaton. The Washington Post called him one of the greatest track and field athletes the United States has ever produced. Today, he's here to talk to us about his journey to the Olympics, life after being a professional athlete, and what his favorite junk food is now that he's no longer competing. He's being interviewed by Mei Wu, a duck with her own amazing podcast called TBD. That's to be discussed. We'll play an excerpt from her show at the end of today's episode. So here they are, Ashton Eaton and Mei Wu. Welcome and good morning. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me. I'm curious, like, what was it like growing up in Oregon and then that deciding factor of going to University of Oregon? I really liked uh, growing up in Oregon. You know, I grew up in Lapine, Oregon. Lapine is just this small town. It's like a thousand people. It's out in, you know, central Oregon. So it's kind of in the woods. And in the early 90s, I was... Um, just kind of always running around outside. And I just remember uh, as soon as the sun was up, I was like out the door, <laughs> uh, you know, cause this is like pre-internet, uh, pre-video games. And um, I felt, I feel fortunate to grow up in the era where like I would always come back with like dirt on my knees, um, my pants ripped or something like that. And so I always just felt kind of free to roam and explore. And um, I was only child with a single mom. My grandparents lived down there. Uh, my godparents lived down there. And sports were always very big. And there was always like a good community of, of kids and people who were invested in sports because when you grow up in a small town, that's kind of like all there is to do. And um, I remember starting off playing baseball when I was five years old. Uh, I very quickly got into martial arts as well. Um, I started doing track and fields in, in school, soccer, and just all these different things. And some of the main reasons I started doing them was because I was watching, uh, I would watch TV and I think it would, I thought it was like cool what some of these athletes were doing. Um, we'd watch movies all the time and uh, whatever they would do in the movies, it was usually like, I don't know, Mission Impossible or Die Hard or something like that. And they're always like fighting and doing these things. And I was like, oh man, I wanna, I wanna be a, a fighter. And um, the skill set you needed to have if you were gonna be like a hero was like this ability to fight. So that's why I got into martial arts. <laughs> and then eventually we moved to Bend, Oregon. And I think that move was because my mom was um, starting to see that in, in the sport world, um, maybe like Lapine had a certain limit as far as, uh, you know, maybe just like my potential was we needed to move to a bigger city and get more exposure. And so we moved to Bend when I was in sixth grade and I was, you know, it's not a big move. It's like 30 minutes away. But it was there that I kind of, I started getting a little bit more serious about sports um, in, in middle school. Uh, and then in high school, I really started getting serious. And that was because for my family, um, college was like very important. And 
we didn't have a lot of money. So it was like not financially feasible to do like a division one college, like definitely going to have uh, to get um, financial assistance for sure. And so as I was in high school, um, I was actually kind of good enough at football and track and field where I was getting letters from division two and three schools uh, to like, hey, we would love for you to come for a visit and potentially be a track and field and football athlete for us. I was like, wow, that's really cool. So I actually thought that was my path um, when I was in high school. I thought, oh, I might go to one of these schools. Um, if not, then I was going to go into the military. Um, I have a, a older brother who went to the military. And again, I was very influenced when I was young, like watching Top Gun or whatever. And I thought, yeah, if you want to be a hero, like the military is really the place you want to, you want to be. And um, I did like ROTC and stuff in high school and all that. But uh, as the story goes, I was a senior and, um, you know, I, I was like a sprinter and a long jumper. And I had these coaches that knew I wanted to go to college. And um, they said, Ashton, we think that you could actually get a scholarship to go to college if you do this thing called the decathlon, or division one college at that. And I was like, really? And uh, I was like, okay, I like the sound of division one college. I like the sound of scholarship. I, I have no clue what you just said. What's the decathlon thing <laughs> you talked about? I was going to say, did you know what a decathlon was no. at like 16 no. or however old you were? You know, I, so I didn't, but really what's really interesting is um, years later, I remember when I was, I think in like middle school, I must've been 10, 11, 12 years old. I remember coming out of my room, you know, your summer and, it, and it's a kid, you're like, what am I going to do today? And I'm eating cereal at the, at the dining room table and there's newspapers on the table. The front cover was the, an image of the earth and around kind of like the outside of it, there were all these different athletes who I knew. It was like Ken Griffey Jr. and um, you know, somebody else, somebody else. And the headline was like uh, intergalactic Olympic games. And the, the question that the article was trying to address was who would earth send if there were to be an Olympic games um, with like a bunch of you know, different planets or something. And in the middle was the person that we chose. So there's all these athletes around the outside that everybody knew. And in the middle was who we chose, who was like a really not well-known person. And his name was Roman Seberle. And he was the decathlon world record holder. And uh, I remember reading it and I was like, who's Roman and what's the decathlon? And uh, then I just kind of forgot about it because I was like, you know, 12 years old and I was going to go outside. So um, I remembered that and I was like, oh, okay, that's, that was a decathlon thing they were talking about. So once I learned about it, I was like, yeah, that's actually a pretty good choice. So at the time when they told me about it, I was like, I have no idea what this is, but they told me and I said, hey, it sounds really cool. I, I like being a diverse in it and I like the sound of trying to do this to get a scholarship so that's awesome because I was curious about what led you to track and not all the other sports because you named martial arts baseball football and track was just one of the many that you were participating in you know the, the reason I chose track out of all the other sports was um I don't know I think I always just liked pushing myself to see what I was able to do and then really getting that um, instant measurable feedback. And so that's what I loved about track, which was when I ran or jumped, I got an exact time mm. and I could go and make an adjustment and see if that adjustment um, made me worse or better. And then uh, whenever I got better, even if it was by like a centimeter or a, a tenth of a second, 
I was like, Ooh, you know, that's awesome. Like I'm, I'm better than I was before. This is great. And uh, that was just kind of always my mentality. And so it really fed that mentality, I suppose. At a certain point, you weren't just in competition with other people. You were in competition with yourself and breaking your own records. So how was that like staying motivated is, were you always kind of in competition with yourself and not really yeah. looking at other people or was that a, a shift in kind of training and, and mentality? So it definitely was not a shift in mentality. And I'm pretty sure that's the way I've always been. And the reason I think that is because when I was about eight, again, living in the pine outside with not much to do, um, I remember kind of like walking around and I found these two sticks and, um, I was like, well, I'm going to see how far I can jump. And so I set one stick down and then I walked like a few paces away and I set another stick down. It's like, all right, this is where I'm going to start. So I went and I ran and I jumped from like the first stick and tried to jump over the second one. I was like, okay, wherever I land, that's where I'm going to move like that, that, that uh, far stick. So I would land and like, all right, I'm just going to move it to that spot in the dirt. And I'd go back and I'd run and I'd jump again. If I landed past it, I'd, I'd move it. And if I didn't land past it, I wouldn't move it. And I just remember I did that for like hours. And uh, eventually, obviously, I got to a point like pretty quickly, actually, where the stick wasn't moving very much. Um, but I was still like kept at it. I was like, I know I can move that sucker. I know I can jump further. And uh, it was just like, to me, when I think back, um, when you're eight years old, or eight years old, you're like not really thinking of why you're doing those things. But I was just so about trying to move it just a little bit further. And so when I got older and, you know, I'm doing this decathlon thing and I'm trying to increase my score um, or increase my record, it just, that's just the way I, was. I am, I guess. Um, I, there was like literally no, I had zero trouble being motivated to try to do that. It's like an intrinsic desire to like push the, my limit. That is, that sounds intense because <laughs> I feel like a lot of athletes and a lot of people, I can't say that I'm a very good athlete myself, but I get motivated by what's surrounding me. Right. And like other people doing well, yeah. I'm like, Oh, let me, let me keep up. I'm curious. Like what is your motivation? Yeah. Because I'm sure there are moments where yeah. that can be challenged. It's yeah. That's actually a good question. So for pretty much my entire athletic career, my motivation was, was really just to try to answer the question, what am I capable of? And, you know, except that there was a while there when I was doing sports and I was like, what's the point of sport? <laughs> you know, there's like climate change. There's, um, uh, th there's like people in, in developing countries that need help. And it's like, what, what am I doing in sport? And, uh, what I try to reason with myself was sport is really about celebrating and pursuing, uh, human potential. And, we do that in a lot of ways, like somebody will climb Mount Everest or, uh, you know, we'll, we'll send people to the moon or something. And I think sport is just like another one of those ways. And so for me, I thought my, my goal um, is really just to contribute to that cause. And if I am like the person that set a world record, you know, I, I've advanced the limit of what we know that we're capable of doing, uh, then I should just like keep trying to do that because that's what we all want to know. It's like, how fast can we be? How far can we go? Um, these types of things. I, at least I felt I was always trying to like find out what the limit is. And, uh, you know, and is this as fast as I'm ever going to be? Will I ever be faster? Um, you're trying to find that, but you don't want to. <laughs> it's like, you kind of don't want to know, like there's nowhere else to go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, 
so it's this funny little like paradox, uh, but that was my main motivation. And then there was a time when I struggled, um, definitely in 2016, because I knew I was getting to the end of my career. Because uh, the, the interesting thing with sports is when you're on the pursuit of finding that limit, there's like an ideal window to do that as far as like your body's concerned, right? Early 20s, 30s, depending on your sport. Um, and then your body just can't perform at a high level anymore. And you can't, you've like squeezed all the juice out of the uh, potential, if you will. Um, and so I was like kind of getting down and I was, I was kind of like, I don't know if I'm able to be good anymore. And I, I don't really know what the, the point of continuing on is. And I think Rio is my last go. But then what I thought about was just kind of like the motivation part of, of how I started. And so I thought what I need to do or what motivates me now is to be a good example and hopefully inspire somebody else. Um, not to necessarily like be an Olympian, but to uh, just like give everything they've got towards what they're what they're passionate about. That's awesome that you're thinking beyond yourself and kind of well, knowing that others will potentially break that. Yeah, I hope so. Actually, somebody already did. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, a person I competed with, um, he very shortly after I broke my world record in 2015, I think in 2018, he broke it. Um, which I was like, that's awesome. Um, and he, he was very nice. And he's like, dude, competing with you and just being around you when you did that was, was actually made it more real and more like accessible to me. And um, it's kind of like, I think, for many, many years, we tried to break the four minute mile. And then finally, like one guy did it, uh, Roger Bannister. And then I think the next year, like 160 people did it. And so it's just, it's, it's like, we always have the, I think physically there's a lot of possibility, but the, men, the mentality of like, can this be done um, is the, the hard break to make. When you knew that it was coming to an end, like at yeah. what point did you start thinking about life after track? It's, yeah. So in 2012, I was, oh my gosh, 24. And I went to the Olympics, broke the world record, won the Olympics. And I was like, uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, I was. It was like my second year as a professional athlete, two years out of college, and I was like, uh, "What do I do now?" But um, no, I always knew I was going to like keep doing track. I, at the time, I loved it. But so 2013 came around. Um, I did the decathlon again, and then 2014, you know, it's like right in the middle of London and Rio, and I was like, "I'm going to take a break. I'm going to take a year of not doing decathlon." And that year, I did like 400 hurdles. So the training was like way easier. So there's a couple, there's just like these things that came together where I had a lot of free time. Um, I was not stressed out because I wasn't even doing the decathlon. And so there's no expectations. And I was traveling around the world and just like seeing things, um, just like a broader experience. And uh, that year I started reading a, lo a lot of books, trying to figure out, and this, this is kind of like when I was saying, what's the point of sport? What am I doing? Um, it was in 2014 where I started asking like, I think bigger questions we as a society and um like you know i don't want to get uh weird or anything but just as like a species we really um figure things out and and advance when we through science and technology and so i thought maybe that's something i wanted to get into and uh the more i read the more i knew that was something i was passionate about and i thought was important and so that's kind of when i determined that 2016 was going to be my last um olympic games and that was I, you know, at the time I was 26. And so I retired when I was 28. That's crazy to think that you retired from a career at 28. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, the reason was because I was like, when you're 30, like you only have 30, 30 years until you're, you know, basically like an old person. <laughs> it's, and it's just like your career in, in actually contributing to stuff is really not that long. And I was like, crap, I've already used, you know, people start when they're 20, I've already used 10 years and now I've got 30 left. It's like, well, I feel like I've done a lot in 30 years already. So maybe the next 30, I can do a lot too, but I got to get started. And so I didn't want to like take more time away from that by trying to go to another Olympics. Yeah. And that's crazy to think that you're like, I'm behind. Yeah, definitely. You know, know, I think that with all of the amazing things that you've done, it's like, it's crazy to me to, for you to think I'm behind, I need to jumpstart on something and be really good at that. (laughs) How was it being a newbie? Yeah. So we moved to San Francisco after Rio and got no clue what I was doing or trying to do. Um, But long story short, I went, and I thought maybe I should just get experience. And so I joined a startup in San Francisco that was working with software. And I was like, software has kind of had a big impact on the world. Maybe I can learn something from teams that can build it. Um, and so I started out there um, and it was like definitely early days. I mean, I was the 12th hire. They were still working out of a house um, and they, they were all incredible. And I was like, holy crap, I can learn a lot from these folks. But as I, I was going on, I was like, I just don't have the skill set that I would like. Um, and so I think I want to go back to school um, and I want to learn the engineering required in order to actually to make this stuff happen. So, um, so, so I got my Bachelor of Arts from uh, University of Oregon in psychology. And uh, in order to get a master's in engineering, you need the prerequisites, which I did not have. And so I went to community college in San Francisco and started taking math, uh, physics and chemistry. Uh, I did that in 2018, and then I met somebody at Intel who was like, hey, we're uh, building uh, technology for sports that's using AI and machine learning, and we're getting analysis for athletes. Uh, you should come like help help us on this project. And I was like, ah, school, Intel. I was like, can I do both? And I said, yeah, let's do part-time thing. So for 2019, I was doing part-time Intel, uh, part-time school. And then I had my son <laughs> on my birthday, actually. Um, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, January 21st, 2020. And I, I couldn't do all three. I was like, ah, oh, something's got to give. So I actually stopped school because I thought I'm going to do this Intel project towards the Olympic Games um, and then help me in, in raise my son as well. And so that's what I'm doing now. I'm at Intel. And now you're in Portland and you have an Olympian wife as well. Yeah, it's very cool. So do you guys have moments where you're, you guys are competing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we used to be, we used to be in a very playful way. Um, I'd say more competitive. It's like, oh, I'm way faster than you at changing the diaper. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so there's, there's some playful things like that. But any, anymore, we've kind of gone from like the competitive aspect to, I mean, we were always supportive, but just more towards the supportive aspect. Um, because being a parent is like insanely difficult. It's, it's fun though. There's, there are playful times. It's, you know, that stuff's important too. Right. And I guess, how do you two feel now being like, now that you both have retired, like, how has that shift been? Have you been enjoying it? You know, are you eating Snickers bars and like, so we're still, I think we're still really actively working and um, especially Brianne, like she took time off to be, to be a mom, but uh, she's already talking about uh, getting back involved in and working on something. I think she has interest in helping um, the Oregon 22 World Championships come to life um, and maybe some other opportunities. So 
Yeah, yeah. For my part, I'm working at Intel, and I think you know school is still an important part of what I want to do. As far as that goes, I just I really don't feel retired yet. And you two are still really involved yeah. with the U of O. I the the University of Oregon. Um, I think I've said it many times publicly, whether like on Twitter or something else, uh, that I I. I I don't believe I'd be where I, I am today without the U of O. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I mean, when I think about it, it's like, I met my wife there. Um, I had, I started my career there. I became like one of the greatest athletes uh, that I could try to be there. It's just like, wow, that place facilitated a lot of <laughs> really good things. Um, it's, it continues to do so. So really to, to kind of be on the board of the College of Arts and Science that I graduated from um, and really, being passionate about um, art and science and any way I can give back. It's just like, yeah, art. Yeah. It's really my pleasure and our pleasure. What's it like going back to visit the university of Oregon now? It's, it, I don't, it's like really, um, it's like emotional. Yeah. And it just, so many experiences in that place. Like all of my really close friends are still the friends I made in college, like my college roommates, um, that kind of thing. And this may is not true for everybody I know, but for me, university was like a utopia. Um, you know, I'm like competing in front of fans and this set. So to me, I was just like, I don't know any other time that could be better than this. Um, and uh, yeah, college is just like, holy smokes. I would encourage everybody to go just to like experience that, um, that type of thing. Yeah. And being a student athlete, I'm sure that was challenging for many different reasons where they're like a lot of moments where you were like oh this is this is getting overwhelming yes i think there were moments where it's getting overwhelming um but everybody has their own like personal threshold there were times when i was overwhelmed but then i would see like my wife um, or girlfriend at the time doing like harder stuff than i was i was like all right you know like pull it together <laughs> you know what i mean so i feel like there's always somebody that's like working harder um and so that kept it in perspective, but that, that, uh, kind of one being in that situation and like learning that was important and two learning like what your own personal like limit is like, okay, can I push a little bit harder and like focus more? Cause it's always a choice. And there was times when I chose to basically, um, be lazy <laughs> and I felt the consequence of that. And there were times when I chose to not be lazy and, uh, got the consequence of that. So yeah do you miss the diet or are you still on that same track uh definitely not on that diet. <laughs> i will never be as um fit rested uh or like just in general healthy as i was as an athlete because i have that frame of reference of like an elite athlete i will always be worse than that <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah there's definitely a lot more candy uh involved and there's a lot more uh, we still we still pre eat pretty healthy, but just like we eat bad more often, which is not hard to do because we like hardly ever ate bad or like had a glass of wine or a beer or something. You know, if we if we have like two pieces of candy or something during Halloween, it'd be like double what we had when we were athletes already. So it's really not hard to like overcome what we used to do. You and Brianne have like guilty pleasure snacks. Yes, it's actually sucks because COVID really <laughs> screwed our <laughs> screwed our guilty pleasure. Um, because what we love is, um, these little licorice that, that I think are like kind of from Australia or something, but you, you used to get them in the bulk bin and we would get them basically all the time. And no matter the amount that we got, it was usually always gone within like two days. <laughs> 
Um, and now we can't find them anymore because no more bullpen stuff because of COVID. So it's like, uh, maybe it's good for us. I don't know. But like, so have you been really enjoying uh, kind of transitioning out of being a, a professional athlete? Because I'm sure there was, I'm sure the fans were great and, you know, being disciplined and all those things. But how have you liked being just a, just a person and, you know, roaming through the world? So there are things about sport that I miss. Um, I, I wouldn't want to be doing it now, though. I'm I'm liking being able to like wake up and not go to training um, and use that time for uh, you know whether it's like learning something in, in science um, or you know kind of raising my son and just contributing in other ways. And it's still kind of funny though, especially when I moved back to Oregon. It's um, everybody you know knows me as the athlete guy which is, it's cool. Um, but I, to, to me personally, I've like closed that book. So like turn that page three years ago, uh, four years ago. And so, um, I almost just like, don't feel like that. And sometimes I'll, I'll see a video or I'll hear somebody say something. Hey, hey you used to be one of the greatest athletes. And I was like, really? That, that is so strange. I wonder if that was actually me. It kind of feels like a dream because I definitely can't do that now. I don't feel the same now. Um, but yeah, I suppose that was me. I'm sure every athlete feels that exact same way. Like, especially once your, your routines have changed. So that, that yeah. totally makes sense. I feel like the previous life or my career was um, really just focused on that physical aspect. And don't get me wrong. Sport is, is way more mental than physical um, by, by quite a bit, actually. And so I, I actually thought during sport, that was, I was probably one of the most intellectually sharp times in my life as well. But when I did sports, I actually never identified as Ashton, the athletes, or that's like all I was. Uh, and I think the people who are close to me, who know me, um, always kind of knew that. Uh, but it, you know, anybody else that saw me was, would have, um, rightfully so just assumed like, man, this guy's just like all about sport. And, um, that's like his, his life and focus. And, uh, that's what he maybe, you know, I guess if they're projecting me in the future, that's, they're thinking that's what he will be. Cause, cause I got a lot of questions like, after, so are you going to go into coaching? Uh, are you going to like stay in the sport? And I was, to me, I was like, no, <laughs> um, um, not, not for any bad reason. Like the sport is and sports are awesome and important, but in my mind, I've already, I've already like been thinking about it's like no there's there's space and and sustainable energy and like robotics in the future so <laughs> that's that's what i'm gonna be doing um yeah so for me it was always easy to disconnect because i was never just like ashton the, the athlete guy um right i'm sure that throws people off when you're like oh yeah i'm doing robotics and then like to them and like yeah like what i even even like i look at uh, oregon football which is kind of like storied and fabled and always um, interesting every year um but there's when somebody puts on that uniform and especially something that covers their face like a helmet it's just like really easy to dehumanize that person and i don't mean dehumanize in a negative way but just like forget that that person um you're always just surprised when you see them in like an interview and they start talking about something else you're like wow uh yeah i mean you know maybe the first time somebody saw justin herbert they're like whoa this dude is like really into biology that's kind of awesome um i never would have put like the Herbert that I see on the field and the, and the Justin that I see uh, outside of that to, to together. But um, I, I, I just think that happens a lot with uh, athletes in sports. Um, 
but you know, I don't know, social media and things like that, I think helped because you start to understand the personality of somebody. Is there anything that you would tell, like, I guess like 18 year old you? Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> oh man. Don't be afraid to try and do something that you think you may not be good at, but that you like. And the reason I would say that is because when I was 18 and a freshman, I was deciding what I wanted to do for, from like a education standpoint and a knowledge standpoint. And I ended up doing psychology. Um, I mean, I've always kind of thought thinking is interesting and learning about like human, you know, about like where intelligence comes from and that kind of stuff. But I much rather would have done, I think something in like a hard science, but I was afraid to, cause I thought I was just not good at it, but I would tell myself it's much better to get bad grades in something that you like than good grades in something that you don't like uh, type of thing. All right. Well, that's awesome. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining the Duck Stops. Like this has been such a amazing episode and conversation. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's like a lot of introspection and reflection at uh, eight in the morning that I think is actually pretty, <laughs> this is actually really good. So appreciate it. We'll talk to you guys later. Go Ducks. As promised, here's a clip from May's podcast, TBD. But first, I want to remind you to check out the show notes for information about upcoming virtual events and ways that you can stay connected to the U of O. Don't be a stranger, and thanks for listening. Hey, it's May Wu from the last episode of The Duck Stops here with Ashton Eaton. I want to speak about actually my own personal podcast and that is tbd to be discussed podcast this is a podcast on topics that we don't typically discuss but we should they may be taboo or just conversations that are a little bit uncomfortable or awkward to have i started having these conversations with people and i thought how great would it be to amplify their voices and i'm sure if i have that question someone else will have that as well the topics range from toxic masculinity, mental health, millennial marriage, sexual liberation, male friendships, and gender transition. Every episode, there is a new guest. Each episode is on a different topic. So tune in today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and anywhere you stream your podcast. I look forward to hearing your thoughts. You're tuning, You're tuning in. in. TBD. 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 Into TBD. TBD. TV. To be discussed. To be discussed. To be discussed. To be discussed. To be discussed.